exclamation point on a near perfect season. Mark Truex Jr. is the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion. He'll never be introduced the same way again. From now on, it'll be Will Power Indianapolis 500 winner for 2018. Checker flag. Power and Penske win it. Kyle Busch. And here comes Larson. Larson to the bottom of the track. Side job. Trying to take the lead away. Side job. Almost. The momentum. The contact. 18. They make contact. The 18 into the wall. NASCAR, IndyCar, and all things motorsports. It's time for the left turn here on X106.7. Now, here's your hosts, Jacob Blair and Trevor Mayer. Welcome into the left turn. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mader with you. And before we start, we do want to remind you that the views and opinions of the hosts of the left turn do not exp- uh, express the views and opinions of Northwest Missouri State University or of KZLX. So, Trevor, for the second week in a row, for about 95% of a race on Sunday, we, we saw this and thought we were going to have to cut a show short because we weren't going to have a whole lot to talk about. But yet again, we're going to walk in here, and we've got a lot to talk about today. Yeah, and how many times, if we would have done this show in years past, would we have walked in on a day after Talladega and even considered that we might not have a lot to talk about? Uh, I know you and I were texting back and forth a little bit throughout the entire race, and the first 170, 175 laps of that race was uh, pretty boring, to say the least. And I'm thinking, man, this is a really disappointing race for NASCAR. Um, Talladega is always a big one on their calendar, and unfortunately... It doesn't always go to expectations. And then, much like they at Dover, um, things got wild towards the end of the race and made it a watchable, entertaining race, to say the least. I guess we could have expected that a little bit. Is you know, It is Talladega. If you get a late race caution, it's going to mess some things up. But this race we, we was a little bit different because there were four cars that just seemed to have more speed than everyone else. And those, that was those Stuart Haas racing cars and Eric Almarola, Clint Boyer, Kevin Harvick, and Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch gets the pole. All four uh, qualify first through fourth. And th- these cars really dominated the race. Kurt, Kurt Busch led 108 laps on the day, one stage one. And it was, I believe, Kevin Harvick that ended up winning stage two. Yeah, these, these cars, did, they, they just they, they worked well together. They, they came so in with a plan and... No, and that was a key to it too. Is they were disciplined. They they worked well together and just controlled this race. Controlled a restrictor plate race. I mean, we've seen Brad Keselowski and, and Joey Logano control restrictor plate races before, but not like Stuart Haas controlled this race yesterday. Yeah, you look. Stage one, Bush wins. Boyer second. Harvick third. Almirola fourth. Stage two, Harvick Boyer Bush Almirola. Those guys got up front. They kept those cars glued to the bottom, and they stayed disciplined and made it impossible for anyone else to get any momentum in. There were lots of times in that race where, you know, it was those four and then maybe a Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, and Joey Logano, those guys able to break away too. And there were points in the race where it was just those four cars breaking away. Um, and towards the end of the race, before things got crazy with that final caution, they had about a 15 to 18 car length breakaway on fifth place, Paul Menard and Brad Keselowski and all those guys that were back there. So it looked like it was going to be a battle amongst the Stuart Haas cars to to get the win, and Kurt Busch had a really good day out front. But waiting the race, as what normally happens at Talladega, uh, things got wild. And before we get to the, the last several laps of this one, it, there was one instance of the race where it looked like things might get back to normal when there there was split pit stops after stage two, and that mixed up the Stuart Haas guys, put them all in different spots, put some new guys out front, and you thought. 
Maybe these guys can't get up here, but it took them some time, about 15 laps, but then they all four got back up front, went right to the the double yellow line, and then started cruising again and really set the pace for this. And there was a, a caution with, you know, I believe, about 20, 25 to go. And uh, 20, 24 to go, yep. 24 to go. Back half of the field comes in pit. Stuart Haas stays out. They all pit with 138 uh, 138 laps in the books, 50 to go, and that is a long time to go around Talladega. So they knew they had to save. Uh, they went ahead and stayed out. And on that restart, it was wild for a while. And then as, as everyone was trying to get a run going, the four Stuart Haas cars, and this is something we have not seen in a long time, and as you mentioned it, Trevor, they drove away from the pack of 30 cars. Just those four Stuart Haas cars, they drove away from the rest of the field and if you were a fan sitting there you were a little bit confused with how they had that much speed in those cars yeah it's one of those things that maybe things will come out in the next couple of days uh, that could point to why they were have such more speed or maybe they just got their programs wired in so well on the restrictor plate but they got out by i think it was 18 car lengths the only car that really showed to have any speed but couldn't get any help was brad keselowski um, Alex Bowman was being super aggressive because he knew he's in the mindset of he has to win to advance to the round of eight. He was being super aggressive, trying anything possible. Unfortunately, he wasn't getting guys to go with them. There was a point where between Keselowski, Paul Menard, Alex Bowman, and Joey Logano, they all got to the outside. And the way Talladega works is if you get four or five cars on that outside line, they can kind of kind of catch up to use that the inside side line. draft. Yeah, use the side draft. And uh, Ryan Blaney was going to get out of line and join them. He decided not to, and it just killed all the momentum they had. And that was that, that moment there was really the mistake of the race was when Ryan Blaney didn't go with his Penske teammates. He had the opportunity to watching that. I don't. I was almost screaming at the TV, asking Ryan Blaney what he was doing, not going with his teammates. Brad Keselowski came on the radio and was like, "Get some guys together. We're not going to yeah. beat these four up here unless we was, go." I think it was about fourteen and, to go. And it was a lot of times we'll see everyone when they get single file at the end of a race, which has happened before. Everyone waits till pretty much the last lap to make a move. I think everyone knew at this point you couldn't do that with the four cars out front. You had to work the side draft to even get up to the front of them, try to break them up. And I liked what, uh, I think it was either, I don't remember if it was Jeff Burton or, or Dale Steve Earnhardt or, or Steve Letarte. One of them was saying, why don't you start, you jump out Pick. there, side draft, and then... Actually, I think it was Dale Jr. And then cut in in front of the, that fourth car and then do it again. And well, move and up to the next one and, and split them up. And that was probably, that, it sounded like a crazy idea, but that was probably the best option. And it was, it got to the point where the field, the whole field needed to work together to beat those four Stuart Haas cars. Well, in Junior's approach to it was, like you said, just kind of pick them off one by one, get up to, to Amarillo, side draft him, get in between him, then pull up behind. I, I believe it was Kevin Harvick was running third at the time. Do the same thing. And then you've got yourself a, a battle up front. And then on the flip side, Stuart Haas, they were set up before that final caution with that lead that those guys were going to be able to battle it out going into that final lap because you had four cars separated by about 15 to 18 car lengths from the rest of the field. There was no way that the rest of the pack was going to be able to catch up to them. Unfortunately, they didn't get that opportunity. Yeah, Alex Bowman, uh, he, he didn't do this on purpose, but I'm just going to go ahead and say he, he took, took one. one for the team yeah. there when uh, he got loose. And we've seen that 88 car struggle with that before. Just gets the air taken off of it in a corner, got loose, uh, caused an accident. And that is when, you know, it was just, it was, I think it was two to go. Uh, they were coming, or three to go. They were coming to two to go. Uh, and then sent it to overtime, and that's where things got really wild. Well, and we, we heard throughout the broadcast, too, that the Stuart Haas guys, they felt like they were about a lap or two to the good 
with no cautions, and they felt like with a caution it was going to be cutting it close. A second caution, another overtime was going to was going to mean they were going to have to pitch. And as a, as a NASCAR fan that was hoping this wouldn't be just a Stuart Haas run away, because that was my fear coming out of the green flag. I was kind of hoping for another caution. I was thinking one of these Haas cars is, is going to get antsy, but there's still going to be a Stuart Haas car that wins the race. And um, coming to the start-finish line to take that uh, final restart, things got even more wild. Yeah, a whole bunch of cars ended up running out of fuel, and it started with Kevin Harvick. He he ran out of fuel, so you lost one Stuart Haas car right there. Oscar, Brad Keselowski, Ryan, Ryan Blaney. Uh, there were some cars further back in the field there that they all had to, had to come to pit road to take the green flag and then it looks as though it's still going to be clint boyer kurt bush and eric almarola coming to the uh checkered flag on the last lap well and coming to the white flag coming to the white flag and then going into turn one they wreck they wreck going into turn one was about midway through the pack and thankfully nascar as no one really hit that hard the hardest hit was matt de benedetto but no one really hit that hard everyone rolled off the racetrack nascar kept the green out there which i applaud them for that i i thought they've needed to do that in the past on these last laps it's no fun watching a restrictor plate race end under the caution like we did in the truck race which we'll get to here a little bit later but they they left it out there and then eric almarola gets a run down the back straight away and goes to the outside of kurt bush at that point kurt bush then runs out of fuel and then eric almarola pulls clint boyer to the checkered flag and the number 10 car it's been a while since that 10 car has been brought to the racetrack from Stuart haas it's the first time it's going to be in yeah. victory lane and eric Almarola leads one lap and moves himself on to the round of eight and it was good to see uh, of all the Stuart haas guys it, eric Almarola was the one i was rooting for and clint boyer of course too because how can you not like clint boyer but uh eric Almarola just had some terrible luck this year he should have won the atona 500 he's taken on the last lap probably should have won new hampshire caution comes out Ends up losing the race there. Should have won last week at Dover. Again, caution came out late in the race, and then he got caught up in an accident. But a great win for Eric Almirola. And those last couple laps, I think, really saved NASCAR from everybody talking, from ourselves included, talking about what a boring race it was. Um, And I'm with you. I applaud NASCAR for letting them race because we've seen in years past, and the truck race, that was one of those deals where it was in front of the field. That's a little bit trickier. But we've seen in years past where they've done that, where they've called a caution when they're in the tri-oval or they're coming down turn two and the wreck is way behind them. We've seen them do that before. That's something that a lot of NASCAR fans have kind of voiced their opinions about and how they don't want to see that. So we did get to see a race back to the checker yesterday um, because NASCAR's policy basically yesterday was if we don't have to get to the drivers, if it looks like it's an accident where everybody's okay, then we'll let them race if it's not going to impede the rest of the race. And I know some people weren't necessarily happy with that but uh sitting at home on my couch i was very pleased with that yeah and then one of those guys was, was kurt bush he ended up running out of fuel and uh while everyone was the other three Stuart haas drivers were celebrating with eric almirola in victory lane here's what kurt bush had to say after the race on sunday yeah i was trying to use all the information i could with my guys telling me about how the other teammates were lifting what their fuel mileage looked like and then you don't want to conserve too much and draw the gap of our cars back to the other guys. And so I was trying to do what I could to manage the fuel. And there was two missed calls, though, by NASCAR at the end. Why would we have an extra yellow flag lap? Beyond me, the track was ready to go. And at the end, you know, once we cross the white flag, if there's a wreck and an ambulance needs to be dispatched, I've been on the other side of that where I was racing, coming back to win the race. 
So that is what Kurt Busch had to say after his race on Sunday and was not real happy with a couple calls NASCAR made. He says there was a uh, extra caution lap, which burned a little bit more fuel, and then I was not pleased with the, the call of NASCAR not to throw the uh, yellow flag while he was leading the race. I don't remember the, the extra caution lap. No, I was kind of – there was a football game that I think was in overtime. I was kind of flipping back and forth between the two. So I don't recall there being an extra lap. And then I think from Kurt Busch's situation, I think most drivers would probably be upset about that part, um, obviously, given that I mean, the caution comes out, he probably wins the race. But then at the same time, he ran out of fuel coming into turn three. You still have to maintain uh, minimum speed. To, for, we still have had to maintain minimum speed for him to get the win. So I think it's one of those things of we've seen this with the Bushes before where they, I don't know how to put this nicely, they, they like to complain um, when things don't go their way. And that was kind of what happened yesterday. And I think, I think the way he handled it was very wrong. Um, and I have a feeling that uh, NASCAR may or may not be having a talk with Mr. Kurt Busch this week. I think that he, he's got the prerogative to, to make those those remarks if he first congratulates Eric Almarola and, and thanks his team for putting the car he did out on the racetrack. And he, he kind of did that a little bit by talking about how they were able to race, but never really said, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Eric, my teammate. Never. Well, and he was the only anything. one that never went to victory lane to congratulate Eric Almarola. So I mean, Kevin Harvick if, was there, Quinn Boyer was there. If he goes and does that and then says, you know, Stuart Haas put together great cars today, was really pleased with that, and then goes and says that, you can give him a little bit more leeway with that. But, but just really to come out and just slam nascar for for calls because they didn't go his way wasn't it didn't look real good to me and maybe that's why just one of the reasons he's he's right now looking for a ride next year yeah and we've seen throughout kurt bush's career that uh no one's ever questioned his racing ability no one ever has and no one probably ever will kurt bush's problems and why he'll never have the success that he probably should are a lot more off-the-track stuff. You go back to when he was at Roger Penske. Well, you go back even when he was at Jack Roush. Um, there was an incident where uh, in, in Phoenix before a race where he was intoxicated behind the wheel of a vehicle, ends up getting suspended for the rest of the season, gets fired from Jack Roush, goes to Roger Penske. Uh, a lot of problems there, ends up getting fired from Roger Penske, races at Phoenix Racing for a year, got himself into some trouble there too when he threatened to beat the crap out of a reporter. Um, and then he went to, to Furniture for a year and then back to Stuart Haas and, and he's had some other issues. So, yeah, it's just, I think it was just Kurt being Kurt, but still not a good look. And that's something, you know, you want your drivers to have personality, but I'm not, not sure if that is quite the personality you want them to have if you're NASCAR. And then looking back on the race again, it was Eric Almarola that got the win. Clint Boyer finished second. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., he made some good moves at the end of the race to finish third. Denny Hamlin fourth. Joey Logano fifth. A.J. Allmendinger sixth. Jimmy Johnson seventh. He came back after an early spin. Eric Jones finished eighth. Palmenar ninth. Regan Smith finished tenth. And then other playoff drivers, Kyle Larson was 11th kurt bush ended up 14th martin truex jr 23rd kyle bush 26th brad kazowski 27th kevin harvick 28th ryan blaney 29th chase elliott 31st and then the driver that right now is staring at the absolute must win situation when you look at the playoffs finishing 33rd was alex bowman yeah alex bowman finds himself 51 points behind the cut line so he would have to have a perfect race this weekend and have to have a lot of help 
to win it. So to get in by not winning, so it's not happening. It, it's there hasn't been anything shown from his team that can make you think that that's going to happen. So he's got to win this week. Um, you look at the other guys currently out of the cut line. Brad Keselowski's just one point out of the cut line behind Chase Elliott. Um, Ryan Blaney is five back. Trevor, I'm going to go ahead and stop you. I don't think you've got the right points up there because Chase Elliott's already locked himself in. Yep, you're right. You're um, right. So Eric Almirola and Chase Elliott. I have the right points, but I was looking at You're, you're looking wrong. at the uh, points and not throwing in. Not the wins. Uh, the so wins in there. Martin Truex Jr. would be the next one. He's 18 yep. ahead of the cut line. Um, Chase Elliott, technically only one ahead of the cut line, but he is locked in. Um, Brad Keselowski, 18 back. Ryan Blaney, 22 back. Kyle Larson, 26 back. And then Alex Bowman actually makes that 68 back. So he has, so, yeah, he has he's to in, win. He's in a yeah, – there's no question. Mathematically, he's in a must-win situation because he cannot transfer into the next round via points. Kevin Harvick, 63 above the cut line. He is clear and will be moving on to the next round as he's – uh, can't can't lose enough points to fall out of the this, yeah. well, the, the situation there. So he'll move on to the next round. Kyle Busch, 46 above. He's sitting in a pretty good place, even after a poor finish at Talladega. Joey Logano, you like where he's at at 39 above. Kurt Busch, you're, you're pleased with where you are, 30 above. But when you're Clint Boyer and Martin Truex Jr., especially with state, stage points only 21 and 18 above the cut line, it's it's a safe position. You're, you're not talking about two or three points, but you still got to go to Kansas and perform. And you can't have anything bad happen to you. And, and Quint Boyer is a guy that he's – that's his home track at Kansas from just down the road in Emporia. But he's had some bad luck at Kansas, and uh, you want to avoid that this week. Martin Trix Jr., on the other hand, he's had some really good luck at Kansas, and a win would, would quench his ticket in. Then you look at the guys on the outside looking in. Brad Keselowski, that's a, track, a type of track that he tends to run pretty well at. Um, Ryan Blaney ran really well there back in the spring. Kyle Larson ran really well there back in the spring. If one of those guys wins, they lock themselves in. All of a sudden, if you're Martin Truex, you're on the outside looking in. One of the interesting things about this is both Eric Almarola and Chase Elliott, I believe. I know Chase Elliott and I believe Eric both started this round outside of the top eight. Mm -hmm. So they've already basically stole two top eight slots. So of the guys that were started this round inside the top eight, only six of those guys are going to get in. So we're going to lose some really good drivers when we head to the round of eight. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. If you would, I, when we did our picks race by race, I did not even think about Chase Elliott and Eric Almirola being the two drivers to lock themselves into the round of eight by wins. So been interesting so far, Kansas this upcoming week. And then you get to the round of eight. And, and the good thing for a guy like Kyle Busch and Martin Trix Jr., if you can make it out of this round, is the playoff points reset but now even we're getting to that point where the playoff points are starting to get the guys are starting to get more playoff points um so they they start to maybe mean just a little bit less because they've accrued more yeah so the monster energy nascar cup series will be headed to kansas this upcoming weekend we'll go ahead and take a quick break and when we get back we'll stick at talladega and we'll talk about the truck race where that finish added a little bit of controversy as well Welcome back to the left turn. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater with you for about the next 35 minutes. Now we'll look at continue to stay at Talladega as there was a, another race that happened there on Saturday, and it was Talladega. It was the truck race, and this one, like classic truck race fashion, was quite a bit more wild than the uh, cup race was. Yeah, there's just something about drivers that don't have a, a ton of experience on restrictor plate tracks, driving restrictor plate tracks and racing in a pack where the entire field is separated by about two seconds that kind of makes things wild. I don't know what it is. Young guys and 
the, the trucks are a little bit harder to see out of via, yeah. via mirrors and, and stuff like that. So it makes it a little tougher to see. And again, you got younger guys and the trucks, the, the trucks are one thing about the trucks is they do not sit in the air very well. They move around a ton. I mean, you, you can hold the wheel completely straight and that truck will not drive straight because of the way the, the wind works on these trucks. It, it moves all over the place. So if you watch them down the, the straightaways and you're like, why won't they stay still? Why is everyone wiggling around? Like, they're trying to you know wreck the whole time it's because just the way the the wind works off these trucks they're all over the place and then when you get to the end of the race where everyone's starting to push each other at that point you're just out of luck and a lot of mayhem starts to happen and we saw the first it was relatively calm the first two stages then you get to stage three you start with an incident early with a one car incident with tanner thorson and then the next one we saw about a 10 truck pile up that took out several playoff contenders yeah, um, that was with about uh, about thirty five to go, I believe. Was was the first one where um, Johnny Sauter got caught up in it. Matt Crafton got caught in it. And John Hunter Nemechek, um, Parker Kligerman had a hard hit in in that one. I I came in. I didn't get a chance to watch it Saturday. You know, we were kind of busy with, with homecoming down here. Luckily, Fox Sports One had a rear of it yesterday morning. I was able to catch it. I came in right after that wreck. And I went back and saw highlights of it. And Burke Quigerman just, he took a vicious hit. Well, it took a couple of vicious hits, but it, it started with just a block. And you see this a lot of times as uh, Chris Fontaine just tried to make a block and it didn't work and ends up really, it was really two different crashes. It was the initial crash and then it was another crash because guys were trying to avoid the crash, but it was two different ones. Uh, the first one collects Johnny Sodder, so he's out. And the next one gets Matt Crafton, gets Ben Rhodes involved in it a little bit. Uh, as well as uh, as a lot of non-playoff guys were involved as well. Uh, After that one, there were about three trucks left that didn't have damage from the day. A lot of trucks running up front the rest of the day. You could see the tape on their cars. But Matt Crafton did a really good job scoring stage points in the first two stages that that wreck gave him a chance to hang on to the final playoff spot. Ben Rhodes had to repair that car, went a lap down, and was just fighting the rest of the race to try to get that lap back. Couldn't get his lap back. So Matt Crafton ended up making it to the round of six. As that really, you know, that was surprising. When you saw that wreck where he sat in points, you really thought Matt Crafton, you were going to miss him. You were going to be missing out with him in the round of six. Yeah, when you look at the, the overall stage points from the day, he had 16 points. Rhodes had nine. So that's a, that was a seven-point difference just in stage points. And uh, coming in to that race, it was pretty tight between the the guys that were kind of on that cut line. And actually, Crafton was just 7-2 to good. So he ended up doing what he had to do. It wasn't pretty, and that had to be nerve-wracking for him. I mean, there's nothing he could do. Just sit there and kind of hope that Ben Rhodes didn't get his lap back. And Ben Rhodes, at one point he, when that race was coming down to the end, was sitting there third in line. Was 16th on the racetrack, but was third in line. So he gets his lap back. Matt Crafton's probably on the outside looking in at the end of that race. But before we get to the end of the race, there was another big hit for Todd Gillen. A little bit of contact there. Goes flying into the inside wall. Big hit for him. Uh, and then we get to the end of the race. Uh, and this one was, they went about the last six or seven laps green. You get to the white flag lap, and you just know at that point that, that something's bound to happen. Couple cars get a run down the back straightaway. Noah Gragson's leading at that time, and then Timothy Peters. And, you know he's a trusty veteran. He's in that 25 car. He took over that 25 car the last couple ra- races from Dalton Sargent. But he he makes a move on Noah Gragson. The two end up making contact. 
Gregson starts a, a huge wreck, and uh, this is where like we, we saw some bigger hits. Cars stopped in the middle of the racetrack, so NASCAR was forced to throw the caution this time, and Timothy Peters ends up with the win. Yeah, that was uh, an interesting finish. Gregson came out of nowhere. Those last couple laps got a great run. I'm going to think Justin Haley is going to be one of those guys throughout his career is going to be just a really, really good restrictor plate racer. I mean, we've seen that with him. And uh, he was how he was pushing with Gregson. I can't think of who was behind Timothy Peters. Was it Myatt Snyder? I think it was Myatt Snyder, yeah. And, and Gregson's able to kind of get in front of Peters, and he goes down to, to get in front of Peters. And, I mean, Peters pretty much just kind of made a business decision and took care of Gregson and, and picks up the win. I mean, that's really pretty much what it looked like at least timothy peters he got a run i'll give him that and he moves to the outside and noah gregson kind of comes up a little bit but with where the outside lane was there really wasn't a hole in the middle for for peters to use uh he just made a move to try to win a race and if he gets to to noah gregson's outside quarter panel and then gregson comes up that to me that's on on gregson at the end of a race or really it's not on anybody at that point but he really didn't get him in the quarter panel. He got him more in the bumper, and he got him right in the part of the bumper. You can't get cars, trucks, whatever we're talking about at, at restrictor plate tracks. You can't get him there. Got him there. Starts a big wreck, and you know, Timothy Peters he wanted to win a race. I, I give him that, but it's kind of kind of very similar to the, the wreck we saw at the Daytona 500, and it's just a little bit more controversial is did Timothy Peters – dump Noah Gregson or did he just make a move on a restrictor plate track and it didn't go as planned yeah and then also to to avoid the wreck he ends up going below the L line and NASCAR did deem that to be an okay move he was avoiding an accident and he he didn't really gain anything I guess from it but I don't know I mean you're a guy that's not racing for points Um, uh, no longer a full-time driver so I get that you want to win but also you've got a guy like Noah Gregson who is racing for points and although he was already pretty much locked into the next round, those playoff points could end up being very crucial as he's just barely above the cut line going into the round of eight. That I feel like in Timothy Peters' career, had the roles been reversed, had it been someone like a, a Kyle Busch or a Mike Wallace that, that runs a restrictor plate sometimes, that would have done that to Timothy Peters, I think he probably wouldn't have been too happy about it. I haven't heard Noah Gregson's uh, opinion on what happened. And I don't know that anyone has. Yeah, I think they had to cut the uh, post-race pretty quickly, so there wasn't any TV interview and didn't really see any anything come up with, with anything Gregson said. And at that point, if you're Noah Gregson, you know, you, I really didn't see much of a block from him either. He kind of moved up a little bit, and I think at that point he thought maybe that, that Peters was going to get to his outside and, and – started coming back down and at that point that's when the contact happened but in the end timothy peters gets the win and for both races this weekend the winner only leads the last lap myatt snyder finished second david gillen third justin haley fourth wendell chavis finished fifth stuart friesen finished sixth and he had a lot of issues all day long and just with the issues he had at las vegas pretty much a month ago just couldn't he really was in a must-win situation finishes sixth needed some some stage points as well so he was one of the the two drivers to get eliminated jordan anderson finished seventh brian dozat finished eighth max tolman finished ninth and then austin hill finished in the 10th position and your other playoff drivers noah gragson was 13th ben road 16th brett moffett 17th grant infinger 19th johnny sodder 22nd and matt crafton in the 26th position so again when you look at the playoffs it's ben rhodes and Stuart freeze and the two drivers not moving on to the round of six 
And as we start this round of six, the trucks will have another week off as, as the Xfinity Series and Cup Series head to Kansas. But they'll have Martinsville, Phoenix, and Texas in this round. And it's Johnny Sauter that will start the round as the number one seed, 28 points above the cut line. Brett Moffitt will start second, 13 above. Noah Gragson, 11, and then Grant Enfinger in that fourth slot. He's four above the cut line. Justin Haley will be seated fifth, four below the cut line. Then Matt Craft, and he's going to have a lot of work to do in this round. He starts 15 below the cut line. Yeah, and unlike in like the other series, this one, no one is completely safe. I mean, 28 points ahead for Johnny Sauter. You feel decent about it, but you go to a short track at Martinsville where sometimes those short tracks, you can get caught up in somebody else's mess, and... You're not totally out of the woods. 28 points, three races, one bad race, and all of a sudden you're right there sweating bullets. And, and, well, the truck race at, at Martinsville, and we'll preview this next week, but that race, it's, it's a little bit, it can be weird at times. You can either get a very clean race, or normally one was about 15 cautions, and at any point you can go from second to about 22nd. And so that, that's where no one's really safe in this round. Uh, and it'll be interesting for the truck series when we get back to racing for them in two weeks. So it was a good weekend from Talladega. We'll go ahead and take another quick break on the left turn. When we get back, we'll shift to talking about the big news of last week, and that was the split between Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss. Back into the left turn. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater with you. Is now talk about one of the sadder uh, pieces of news that we've had over the last long time is that after 17 seasons, seven championships, 83 wins, Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss will be parting ways for the 2019 season. Just some some quick stats from them. They, uh, 600 600 ish races they, they've been with each other 225 top fives 352 top tens 18,692 laps led this was surprising news coming and out of the hendrick camp seven championships that, that's the that's, big one that's the most important one yeah it was it was surprising to me um and growing up i was always a diehard jeff gordon jimmy johnson fan those were my two guys so this is the status i've ever been about a celebrity breakup ever is um, when it was announced earlier this week that Jimmy and Chad would be going separate ways. Uh, they've been kind of the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick of NASCAR, so to speak. They're, they're boring. They're not the most exciting people in the world. But the way they work together has created or created something that we'll probably never see again in, in NASCAR. And, and that reign from about 2004 to 2012 that Jimmy Johnson had is the most dominant maybe we've seen from anybody in professional sports in a long time. With Jimmy, this this is statistically his worst season. He's, he's rolling with a 54-race winless streak right now. He's probably not going to win a race this season, which will be his first season. He hasn't won a race. So if you look at that, it's maybe it's time for a change just to see if you can get anything out of Jimmy Johnson. But that Tom Brady, Bill Belichick... You know, idea that metaphor that that is spot on there's really it, it's almost the exact same same deal with these two they've been with each other their entire career that was jimmy's crew chief when he really started in nascar and or in the the cup series and to, to have these two they, they bicker like brothers on the radio they're, they're best of friends off the racetrack but to hear from the hendrick camp that they all kind of got together rick hendrick 
Knauss and, and Johnson all got together and they said, you know what, it might be time to, to try something different. We've been struggling the last few years. But the, the fact that they actually got to that point really surprised me. I thought, like a lot of people think, Brady and Belichick will retire together. I thought for sure they'd stay together until at least Jimmy retires because you're going to be a, lot, a crew chief a lot longer than you can be a, a race car driver. But it's... It was a, really a sad day for NASCAR, but a great day for William Byron. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things, too, is now Chad Canales will transition over to that 24 team and be the crew chief for William Byron next year. I think it's kind of maybe the mo- youth movement in NASCAR um, coming in. I think it's almost like a passing of the torch as far as, okay, this is – we see this in other sports all the time where you start to see the transition from the old to the new – I mean, I think we're seeing that now. You've seen guys like Jeff Gordon, Carl Edwards, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Greg Biffle, Tony Stewart. They've bowed out. Now we've got guys like Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, um, guys in the Xfinity Series like Christopher Bell and Justin and Justin Allgaier, and even further down with Noah Gregson. You start to see that youth movement and new guys coming in, and I think this is a really good thing for William Byron, and I think he's Jack Nels can make that team a lot better. I think this is the first the first nudge out the door. For mm-hmm. Jimmy Johnson, he, I, 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 to me, it almost starts his farewell. It may be a three-year farewell. It may not be next season, but Jimmy Johnson, his career is coming to an end. I think this, this, is, what, this is what is what signifies this. We know Lowe's is not returning as his primary sponsor for 2019. Now him and Chad Knauss are splitting up. And to me, with, with the switch and moving Knauss to be Byron's crew chief, he'll replace Darian Grubb over there. It. To me, that is Hendrick going full-on driver development. Let's get our three young guys. I mean, you've got William Byron at 20, Chase Elliott at 22, Alex Bowman right, at 20, 25. Yeah, he's not very old. The, you've got those three young guys. They are going and, full development mode and saying, Jimmy, and we're going to let you have your, your couple years of your final career, but we're going to go and we're going to work on these three drivers. And you've and we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, too. You've got Noah Gregson of the Xfinity Series. Um, who's, I believe, 19, 20 years old, not very old whatsoever, that I think this kind of opens up the door that in 2021, 2022, Noah Gregson's the, the next guy at Rick Hendrick. And we talked about that it was last week or a couple, couple weeks, weeks ago, ago when we went through all of the silly season stuff that, that happened is maybe that was what was, was happening. Now this news drops about you know Jimmy Knaus, and, and it just – it makes it that much more believable that, that they're tabbing Gregson. At least they're going to try to make him Jimmy's replacement. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there with that 48 bunch next year. Uh, it's going to be Kevin Mendering will be the new crew chief for Jimmy Johnson. They released that not, but I think two days after they announced the split, he is currently Elliot Sadler's crew chief in the Xfinity series. So he'll be jumping up to the cup series and maybe just the, the having a new voice inside Jimmy's helmet. I don't know if we'll see seven time champion, Jimmy Johnson, but we'll see, we, we maybe we'll see a small resurgence from Jimmy and maybe he'll pick and up a couple more wins. I guess again, to make a, another analogy to someone else in, in professional sports is I think to think that Jimmy's ever going to – it's like Tiger Woods. To think Jimmy's ever going to come back and be that seven-time champion that we saw, I think maybe that's a pipe dream at this point. But I think now it's, you know, can we see him win races? Can we see that team maybe even just be a championship contender for half a season or so? Um, Jeff Gordon, his last 10 years, was not the same Jeff Gordon his first 10 years um, with Rick, with Ray Evernham and Robbie Loomis. About 04, 05, he started to drop off, and you could see it. Now, he was still competitive. He still won races. He was able to compete for a couple of championships, but it wasn't the same Jeff Gordon. And 
maybe that's what the goal should be for Jimmy Johnson is to finish his career kind of in the same way that Jeff Gordon did. And that wasn't the only big news that occurred over the It was the, the biggest. Past. It was the biggest, and, and but there, there was still some pretty big news that came from the Vine family racing as they announced their driver for next season to step into that 95 car to replace Casey Kane and really to... I think everyone's surprised it's Matt DiBenedetto that'll moving be moving to that 95 car. They'll be moving to, to Toyota, and now that really puts a little bit of question mark into where Daniel Suarez and Martin Truex end up for next season because a lot of people thought Suarez would go to the 95, Truex to the 19, but now Matt DiBenedetto, he's stepping into that 95 car, and that's a great opportunity for him. I still think Truex ends up at the 19. I don't think you go from being a NASCAR champion to not being able to find a ride in two years. And it's not like they've completely fallen off a cliff this year. Uh, no, Daniel Suarez is a real question mark. I don't know that they've ever really gave him a full chance in that car. Um, just being his second year, really, he's only been in NASCAR about four years now. That's the wild card. Is Where does he go? Does he go back to the Xfinity Series? Um, what people forget is when Joey Logano was at, was at Joe Gibbs, they didn't think he was ready yet. And Matt Kenseth comes along, and they gave Joey Logano the option. They said, well, we, can, we have a full-time Xfinity ride for you, and you could run some part-time cup. And basically it was going to be like sending him back down to the minor leagues. And he said no, had an offer from Roger Penske and ran with it. I don't know if Daniel Suarez ends up going back down to the Xfinity series or what happens with him, but I was, I was pleasantly surprised seeing Matt Benedetto as the guy to get tabbed to drive that 95 car. See, now you wonder if maybe Daniel Suarez is who steps into that, that one car uh, that's an option there now, but I really don't know if there's a, a slot where you're seeing Daniel Suarez in the Cup Series next season, which, again, he, he really wasn't given an opportunity. To, and he's had, he hasn't really been a presence up front, but he's been a solid top 15 guy since he's come into the Cup Series, really. He just sticks around there all the time. He's consistently about a 14th to 15th place car. Yeah, and he's had a couple top fives. I believe he finished second at Pocono earlier this year, and he's had some good runs, but we see it with these four-car teams. We saw it with Jack Roush when they had multiple cars. We've seen it with Rick Kendrick. It's really tough to get all four cars on the same level. Even the last couple of years, that 20 car before Eric Jones stepped in, that was kind of the slower car with Matt Kenseth when they still had Carl Edwards. I mean, they're really it's, – it's almost impossible. Look at Rick Kendrick uh, right now. I mean, Jimmy Johnson and Alex Bowman and William Byron have struggled off and on all year. And well, even when they had Jeff Gordon and, and Dale Casey Earnhardt, Kane. Was, that, five, that five car, it didn't even seem like yeah. it was coming from the same organization. And if it was Casey Kane that was running good, it was Dale Earnhardt Jr. that was struggling. I mean, we've seen that a lot in years past. I think it's just tough to have more than a, a two- or three-car program. That's why we've seen teams like Richard Childress, who I believe at one point had four cars, dwindle down to just a two-car team. And Jack Roush, I mean, at one point had five cars in the mid-2000s, and now they've got two cars and that's enough struggle for them yeah so it's going to be interesting as the one of the the first big pieces have fallen and that's matt de benedetto going to the 95 car and just to talk about matt real quick he he did something you don't see drivers do as he said i've got a he, he had a ride in that 32 car it's not it's it's not a bad car it's one of the the faster back markers but he said you know what 
I believe in myself. I'm going to leave this and I'm going to open it up and I'm going to go try to find a ride and he lands at the 95. So it'd be interesting to see where this 95 car's performance is next year because I think Matt Benedetto could be one of the fastest drivers in the garage area if he, if he could step in a Gibbs car and at least now he's going to at least go up one tier and, and move from about a 30th place car to maybe a 15th, 20th place car, place car and see what he can do in that this upcoming season. And here's another question that um, I don't know, maybe you, you caught wind of this earlier this week too, but that Richard Childe, that Richard Petty car uh, with Bubba Wallace, they did not have a backup car this weekend at Talladega. Does that is that maybe a sign that things don't look great there? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, maybe they just came in with a plan to run practice. They only had well, one and, practice. And Bubba, and Bubba, from what I read, he wasn't even told about there being no backup car until they got ready to roll out for practice, which. Um, he just kind of stayed out of the way throughout practice and qualifying. Well, a lot of the smaller teams they don't they don't necessarily have restrictor plate specific cars, or they only have one they only have one speedway car. Uh, a lot of the Xfinity guys are like that. A lot of the truck guys are like that, where you only have one one speedway car. So maybe Petty's had to go to that. I don't think that's necessarily a big concern it's just with the way petty's been performing they they're they're constantly they don't really have the same sponsor on the car week to week ever i mean other than stp they're always rolling in different sponsors and that might have just been a decision where hey we need to make sure we've got enough cars for the the intermediate and short tracks we only really need one speedway car just be safe we only got one practice session all they had was an hour and a half practice session that's all they got they practiced on saturday qualified saturday race sunday they maybe just didn't see the need to bring a backup car as long as they were safe in practice. Yeah, I just found it interesting that uh, you know Richard Petty Motorsports rolling into Talladega without a backup car. So that'll do it for the out of the garage talk for this week. We'll go ahead and take one more quick break here on the left turn. When we get back, we'll talk about a uh, race that's occurring just about 80 miles down the road at Kansas Speedway this upcoming weekend. Welcome back to the left turn. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater with you as we wrap up today's show. But we got the closest NASCAR race here to the KZLX studio, just about 80 miles down the road in Kansas City, Kansas. As NASCAR is headed to Kansas Speedway as the Cup Series will be running the Hollywood Casino 400. That'll be Sunday at 1 p.m. It's 267 laps. It will be on NBC. The Xfinity race will be the Kansas Lottery 300 Saturday at 2 p.m. 200 laps. That'll be on NBCSN. But being at Kansas Speedway, this is one with you and I, Trevor, we could actually end up going to. Yeah, actually, we ended up talking to that off the air. You know, do we go? Do we not go? Um, looking at, at tickets, prices a little bit better than I they've been in years past. Five looked. It's going to be a fun time in Kansas Speedway. Like you said, about 80 miles from here. Um, Kansas Speedway, an interesting track. It's one of the the toughest tracks, honestly, on the NASCAR circuit. It's very, it's not very wide at all. Uh, it. It's really difficult. You got that progressive banking, banking, so you can either run the bottom, you can run the middle, you can run all the way up against the wall. We'll see Kyle Larson there for sure, but it's a, it's probably one of the most difficult mile and a halves and one of the most exciting mile and a halves we have all season. Yeah, it's and throw in the fact that it's an elimination race as well, and some guys that are on the outside looking in, like Truex, Kozlowski, Larson, Blaney, those guys are normally pretty fast at Kansas. It's it's one where we really could see someone get bumped that they're point wise outside looking in and could end up bumping someone at the last lap when they get the win on Sunday. 
and, and we, we the, the big thing is Kansas Speedway is a little bit of a wild card, and the reason that is is every year we'll see two or three drivers make a mistake either on the exit of four or on the exit of two, and it's generally on a restart, and it generally collects a lot of race cars, and that's why this race is a little bit of a wild card is you can get someone maybe takes two tires late in a race, they end up having an issue, and then you're collected in a big mess down the back straightaway like we, we saw last year when uh, Eric Jones made a mistake down there and caused that big pileup over there in turn two. Yeah, and if you're one of the guys that's comfortably in but not like locked in like a, a Kyle Busch or a Joey Logano, that's not what you want this week. You want to be able to ride around, still put up a good finish, get some stage points if necessary, but you don't want to, to be caught up in somebody else's mistake like we saw Austin Dillon get caught up in at the Roval. So it'll be a fun one. Is Kansas Speedway generally it has some of the best uh, attendance of the season because there really isn't a, another track around here that runs a Cup race. It's it's so guys are, people are coming from from up from Minnesota. They're coming from Oklahoma just to to see the Cup race at Kansas Speedway. And for it being a mile and a half, again, it produces some really good racing, especially because you got that progressive banking. It finally it's finally gotten to the place where the repave for a while there it was it was, was pretty rough bad because i mean it was a wreck fest because guys were all fighting for one line but now that you know the, the winners have kind of worn it out a little bit guys can run all over the racetrack so you'll see guys like you know we've seen joey logano we've seen kyle larson we see him right up against the wall but then sure enough you'll probably have martin shrugs jr and kevin harvick right down next to the the white line yeah that's a track where those guys really like to run the bottom. kyle bush likes to run the bottom at tracks like that too we've seen him do it at chicago and kansas he'll run anywhere but uh, it's gonna be fun i'm excited for it as the the races as well as it with a place like kansas the stages will get a little bit interesting as well because the the fuel mileage wise you just barely don't have enough fuel with the stage lengths to run stage one and stage two open so you'll see some guys maybe try to run the as long as they can in the stage to catch some people out you'll see a lot of drivers and probably your playoff drivers will try to split the first two stages in half but then if anything happens they could get behind the rest of the race and have to chase it the rest of the race so there's a lot of things that can can happen uh, over the course of this 267 laps but real quick trevor who do you got this weekend at kansas speedway so i said the beginning of the playoffs kyle larson was my championship pick um he drove like a madman just to get into the round of 12 at the Roval. And then he hasn't had a good couple of races between Dover and Talladega. So I'm going to say Kyle Larson goes all out and picks up the win, kind of like Kevin Harvick did the first year of the playoffs and is able to get himself in the round of eight. See, normally I would sit here and say it's going to be tough to pick against the big three we've seen this season because it's a mile and a half. But I think that they've been really struggling the last couple weeks and it's they haven't really been they, they've had really fast race cars not putting putting together full races we saw kevin harvick his crew make a mistake at dover that's why i think brad keselowski this is his kind of racetrack we see him run really well at places like texas and las vegas and uh, chicago land tracks like that i think brad keselowski knowing he's probably going to have to win this race is uh, going to end up in victory lane and both drivers that we picked are right now on the outside looking in so that's going to make this really interesting for someone like martin Truex jr what about the xfinity race it's hard to pick against christopher um, yeah, bell that's right now kind of where i'm at too so. hey christopher bell xfinity wise i know justin allgaier has been really quick this season but the way christopher bell is racing right now i see him because there's there's no cup drivers that are allowed to run in this right now 
I think Christopher Bell can all, all, honestly win out this season, win the final four races and, and cruise to a championship and then really make someone think hard about putting him in the Cup Series next year. Yeah, I don't think that's totally out of the question by any means. So he won there last year too, picked up his first career Xfinity Series win at Kansas, and that's a track that he likes a lot. So, yeah, he's pretty much the clear-cut favorite going into Saturday. So when we look at the playoff standings, and we, we talked about both you and I think that it's – it's not even possible, but possibly likely that one of the four drivers, really either Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, or Kyle Larson, who all, who all have the ability to win this race, I think one of those guys is going to bump themselves into the eight. So who do you think is the driver that if, if a Brad Keselowski or a Kyle Larson wins, who's the driver that falls out of the playoffs? Is it Martin Truex Jr.? Is it Clint Boyer, does Kurt Busch have a rough day? Does, does he fall outside the top eight? I think it's Martin Truex Jr. Um, this team has struggled lately. They've kind of, the last three weeks, they've been in the wrong places at the wrong time. And normally when a team announces midseason that they're closing, it just kind of kills all the momentum they have, and we've seen that lately. So I think Truex ends up not even making it to the round of eights. That would be quite shocking with the regular season he had. I think Kurt Busch might be the one and th- that's going to – struggle a little bit at kansas but you never know with kansas speedway again you've got the hollywood casino 400 on sunday the kansas lottery 300 on saturday big weekend just 80 miles down the road and that'll do it for us here on the left turn for trevor mater i'm jacob blair we thank you for listening here on x106.7 we'll be back next week for more racing talk from two to three here on kzlx